Well, I am a fear survivor. I have a testimony. <laughs> and I do believe years ago, had God not, had I not cried out to God and said, God, this isn't right. I'm going the wrong direction here. I don't know what's happening in my life, but I had a stronghold of fear in my life that was very controlling. And I do not believe, had I not allowed the Holy Spirit to bring truth to me where I was believing lies, I don't think I'd be standing here today. I really don't. Because you know what fear is designed to do? It's designed to short-circuit God's plan, purposes, and call on your life. And every one of you here has a plan, a purpose, and a calling from God Almighty. And if we bow our knee to a spirit of fear, it will short-circuit what God has in store for you. And I don't know about you, but I've had this picture, and, and I thought, God, I don't want that to be me. But I, I had this picture for a long time in my heart that I'm going to get to heaven. It's like, woohoo, you know, we're here. Everything's great in heaven. And then God shows me a picture of what could have been had I dared to believe him and dared to step out. When he showed me things, but I was holding back. And I was like, oh, no, call somebody else, God. That's too scary. I've got a few of those things right now in my life, and I was like, oh, oh I'm not quite ready to look at that, God. Don't, don't show me the whole picture. I don't know if I can contain it. But I've always known that God, <laughs> when it's his plan, it's a good plan. Amen? And we don't need to be fearful. But just I've asked God, how much of that story do you want me to tell? And I, the last thing I want to do is give the devil any glory. But all glory goes to God. But there came a time in my life when fear became so loud that I actually heard it audibly. And it shook me to my core. And I knew it alerted me. There is something going on here that's not right. And I was serving in church. I was a tongue-talking believer, loving God with my whole heart. And yet there was something going on in my heart that didn't belong there. And there was a stronghold of fear. It had a stronghold on me. And it began to manifest in very strange ways. My sleep, I was very much afraid of some weird things. Um, and you know what? It doesn't even matter. One of the things, though, was... The way it worked for me, there would be moments during the day that it was like my brain, my mind, my thoughts were hijacked, and suddenly it was like I was mesmerized and watching this horrific scene, just like watching a movie uh, playing out, and it was always about um, something gruesome and horrific happening to my children. And this started with my first one. It accelerated with um, when Amy was born. And then by the third one, I, it was like full-blown. I was like, God, something's got to change here. I don't even know what's happening. And he brought me back. When I cried out to him, he brought me back and he showed me something. And it was like showing again. It was another hijacking of my thoughts. But this time it was by the Holy Spirit. And I, I sat and I watched. And he showed me a scene of myself as a little girl, probably right around five or six years old, living in the house, in the bedroom of where we were at that time. Our family lived in Indiana at that time. 
And it was a scene that played out in front of me that actually happened. But I had never thought about it. There was no reason to recall this. But I believe the Holy Spirit was showing this to me, that there was a moment when I was a little girl, southern Indiana. The, the bugs and the spiders get a little bigger, let me just say. And so I was looking in my closet, apparently, which was a mess, because I was moving toys and everything around. And all of a sudden, this great big spider came out. Great big spider came out. And, um, and it shocked me, and it scared me. And it's like I'm watching this little girl scream and run and jump on the bed. And I said, that was me, and it really happened. And I said, wow, wow, cool, God, but what are you showing me? It didn't seem to make sense. But I heard the Holy Spirit very, very clearly. And see, I just called. I just cried out to him. And sometimes we cry out, and then we have to be, just listen. Just listen for a minute. You cry out, he wants to answer. Because that's our God, right? And he said to me, he said, Karen, this is the moment that you open the door of fear in your life. When I was a child, and it was about a spider. Now, I'm the champion spider killer in our house. So it wasn't about spiders, but it was about a spirit of fear. And I remembered after that, I had weeks of, um, uh, of uh, nightmares. I would wake up thinking I had spiders crawling all over me because we never find, found that spider. I didn't know where it went. And, um, but the Holy Spirit said, that's when you open the door, but today we're going to close it. And I had never heard that language before. And since then, I hear it all the time. But see, fear, if we have an open door to it, it will begin to manifest in all different kinds of ways. It's not just a fear of spiders. I don't like them, but I'm not particularly, uh, um, I don't have a phobia, which is a real full-blown fear of spiders. But it began to manifest its way in different things, like I was afraid of making decisions. I was very um, wishy-washy about a lot of things. I preferred to have no opinion rather than know myself and know what I thought. And it definitely affected a lot of things uh, in my life because I think I had a fear of commitment. So when my um, then boyfriend told me he loved me and he wanted to marry me, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, I was afraid to even look at what I really felt, and um, we got engaged, and I broke off the engagement, and I believe that was a direct result of operating in a spirit of fear all those years, and I wasn't aware of it, and now it was coming to a head. I did marry him. He took me back, <laughs> but it was a process to, and I'm so glad I did because Amy wouldn't be here, you know, we're very blessed, <laughs> and my three boys and, and our daughter, but, and oh my goodness, my grandkids, oh, isn't that amazing? Anyway, so at this time, God was dealing with me because I cried out, and what we did to walk through that was learning about how the devil was pushing my buttons, what those triggers were. It releases and just kind of shows us where our insecurities are because that's what starts us on this path of, of fearfulness instead of fearlessness. So I feel like I kind of have to unpack that as we unpack the word. Is that good? And we're going to talk about we're not okay with being fearful. We've got to declare war on a spirit of fear. Anybody with me here this morning? All right. 
I'm not sure I believe that. Let's try that again. We need to declare war on a spirit of fear. In Jesus' name. All right. Remember what we're shouting this morning? That was a good one. Good job. All right. And that's why I call myself a fear survivor. Because my aim, my new default setting, I can say, is to live with zero tolerance for fear. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't try and come and press my buttons. You know what? I, as soon as I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, you're going to, uh, I want you to bring this message of fear. And guess how many buttons the devil kept trying to press? Oh, they don't want to hear that again. You've done that message so many times. Blah, 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 blah. And I, he was starting to press all my buttons. But this time, I could take a step back and say, Yep, I expected that, but I'm not listening to it. Because guess what? He's a liar. He's a liar. And you, you get to choose whether you're listening to the lie or are we replacing the lie with truth. And that is where my freedom began. Because the trigger would start, the movie would start, that scene that I always stopped and, and watched of my children being just tormented and Oh, it was horrific. I could say, no, no. I didn't, first of all, didn't realize where it was coming from. Because sometimes ladies don't we say, oh, that's just me. That's just the way I am. But you know what 2 Timothy 1, 7 tells us? It tells us that God has not given you a spirit of fear. And if God hasn't given it to you, where is it coming from? Come on. There's only one other place. And because you've opened the door and listened to fear, because fear will speak. Fear will, will talk to you. And if you don't realize that it's a spiritual issue, it's not behavior modification issue, it's not trying harder. You know what it is? It's dying harder to say, God, help me. Alert me. Every time that trigger starts again, because I think that's, I think that's a very real thing, ladies. I think there's a pattern. We get caught in a pattern, and we just keep doing it over and over and over, and God says, we're breaking out of that today. We're closing doors that you've opened because the thought, and it always starts in the thought process, doesn't it? So we're going to be dealing with a lot of that today. But what is fear? You know, fear's not evil because there are some good fears. You know, it's a good thing that you have a fear of jumping off tall buildings, you know, because you're going to live longer. That's, a, that's an okay thing, all right? But what we're talking about is when uh, important decisions, uh, our life's purposes, answering the call of God, obeying God, when that voice is whispering because we're listening to that spirit of fear. The spirit of fear has become louder than the voice of God. And now we've got a problem because now we begin to make fear-based decisions that God cannot and will not bless. And I've said this just recently, I think even the last time. I love Jimmy Evans' definition of a spirit of fear. He says, fear is a prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report about your future so that you will make fear-based decisions that God cannot and will not honor. I know it's long. I sure will. <laughs> fear is a prophet spirit. We have to recognize it's a spirit. But can I just say, that's good news. Because we have authority over spirits. That's good news. 
All right? It's not me. It's a spirit that I'm not going to adopt into my life and say, this is how I live my life. Not anymore. Because I have authority over him because Jesus defeated every one of them. Amen? So fear is a prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report. You know, there's nothing good about what the devil wants you to see. And he showed me that my kids were walking targets and that our family was going to be destroyed by evil whatever. And... Um, he tries to give you an evil picture. So the fear is a prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report about your future. So you will make a fear-based decision that God cannot and will not honor. See the picture that the devil was trying to give me? Oh, it was so negative. I don't even think Hollywood would make movies with the pictures that the devil showed me. They weren't me. They were just from the pit of hell. I didn't know that at first until I realized that I had given the devil control of my mind in that area. But can we just reverse that? Because here's the good news. Because God is a spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. And he gives you what he gives you is a positive word about your future. So you can turn that same definition around and say a positive word about the future. So you will make a faith-based decision that God can and will honor. That's the good news. You know that God's word about your future is always for your good. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. All right. And I want to say God's word about your future is always for your good, and God's word about your future is a safe word. So let me just read. <laughs> My sign language didn't work. Sorry, Cindy. <laughs> she, she wanted to give me a Tic Tac. I probably need it too, but <laughs> I just need a Kleenex. <laughs> All right, God's word about your future is a safe word. John 16, 13 says, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would show you things to come. The word show in the Greek is a really interesting word. It's odego. You don't have to remember that. That's okay. No quiz. A guide, a person, a person who shows a traveler the safest route through an unknown country. One of the biggest fears that maybe some of us have is the fear of the unknown the fear of the future. I don't know what's going to happen. That gets, especially if you're, okay, <clears throat> I'm not trying to be condemning, but the more you control things, the more out of control you feel about not knowing the future. But who knows your future? God does. And is his future for you always good? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to control that. You just need to trust. And to show things to come means that God provides a guide who's going to show you the safest route through an unknown country. You're safe. He's got this. He's got a safe and awesome plan for you. So the Holy Spirit will guide you through every obstacle in life. He will even send as you worship um, the Holy Spirit to set ambushments against the enemy, right? And cause you to take the safest route. Another way that I like to say this is that the Holy Spirit will put you in the right place at the right time. He's putting you in the right place at the right time, and we will fear no evil. Amen? Come on. Amen. All right. My son, in the last year and a half to two years, has begun traveling internationally for his job.
And there was a thought that came to me, you know, he's flying into these foreign airports where terrorists blow things up, you know, and planes and everything else. And you watch the news and you see it. It's a reality out there. So I began to pray for him as he traveled, especially Psalm 91, which was one reason I wanted to um, read that to you in its fullest this morning. And I would pray that no danger can come near Ryan. No weapon formed against him can prosper. He is safe from evil or accident calamity and terrorism let's just name it right and so I began praying those scriptures over him and it was so sweet one day the Holy Spirit just said he says don't worry he said if he is ever in danger I will cause the hero to rise up in him I said God you got this and I didn't have to have the worry girls your job is not to worry over anything especially your children your your job job number one is to be in faith about everything and trust the God who is trustworthy. Amen. So he told me, don't worry, that hero inside of him, it's going to rise up. And I told Ryan that. He says, well, as long as I stay alive, that sounds good. I said, I'm sure that's in the package because I was praying over that. So anyway, um, fear, though, is the devil's tactic, as I had said earlier, to short-circuit God's calling and gifting in your life. Fear causes fight or flight. And kind of the deer in the headlight syndrome, sometimes it causes paralysis. We get stuck. We get stuck because we kind of know, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not. And we get stuck because of fear. And sometimes it feels like you're powerless. You can't advance. You can't move forward. And I call it, we don't dare step out of the boat. But Peter did. You know what? And I'll bet you he did it afraid. But he still stepped out of the boat, didn't he? Because he kept his eyes on Jesus. We know what happened when he didn't. But it's okay. He still stepped out of the boat, I just want to say. And we know that. I think, I believe that God wants us to live at such a higher level because he's promised to be faithful, to equip you, to bring you through anything and everything he's called you to do. And so where's that level of trust? Are we holding back because we're the ones who are being timid? We're the ones who are, are not sure of God's faithfulness? Oh, I'm just trying to stir you up, ladies. I'm trying to, I believe right now across the room that God is revealing things. Yeah, yeah, like what she said. Uh, I want you to, to, to go to make this step. Take another step. Start this. Stop that. Whatever it is, whatever is God showing you, you know what it is. So we're going back to first, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We kind of stopped right there, didn't we? But we identified that fear is a spirit, and it didn't come from God. But let's go on to the next big part. It's a big but. But God has done what? He has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, you're going to do this with your kids, so help me out. <laughs> we're going like this. God has not, say that given me a spirit of fear, but a power. You should see my boys do that. Love and a sound mind. That's what you've got. That is what God releases to you. So is it fair to say that where there is an absence of fear, there is a presence of power, love, and a sound mind? Yes. Is it fair to say that where there is the presence of fear, there is an absence 
of power, love, and a sound mind. I sure hope I said that right. Did I say that right? Okay, phew, because I don't want it to be reversed. Yes, I believe that we can understand why the devil uses fear in our life, because the last thing he wants for you is to operate in power, love, and a sound mind. And so that is what he wants you to be ignorant of. But Paul said it best. He says, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And if you didn't know this stuff, now you do. And it's like shining a light and catching the devil's hand in the cookie jar. No more. No more. Zero tolerance for a spirit of fear in your life. Let's get a picture. Let's get a picture. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the Amplified says it a little differently. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Ooh, that was a little different picture of fear. If you've always called yourself shy and timid, God didn't make you that way. Do you dare to be that bold person that God created you to be? It doesn't mean you have to be a loud mouth. It doesn't mean you have to be bossy. But don't be timid because of fear. You can be soft-spoken and be bold as a lion. Amen? So don't, be, don't give in to a spirit of timidity, of being a coward, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love. And I'm actually going to finish that with a quote from Rick Renner. He says, we can better read this scripture this way. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit of power, love, and a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. Okay, you can't write that down, okay? <laughs> but I'll put it on Facebook. How's that? All right? Check it out on Facebook. So guess what? I would love to trade in a spirit of fear for that. That's a good trade. Amen? And I'm here, like I said, I am here to declare war on that spirit of fear that holds us back from doing everything that God sees in you and is calling forth today. James 4, 7 says, so then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Did you know you have that kind of power? Not because you're so powerful. Let me just take that right back. All right. But because Jesus is in you, he makes you powerful. And when the devil, if you know who you are in Christ, he suddenly sees Jesus and off he runs. Got to see it. Get a picture. Get a picture. You have to stand up to him. See what was happening for years and years and years that built up to this place where all of a sudden it seemed like fear was just manifesting in the creepiest, weirdest ways in my life. I would seriously said out loud, all I want to do is gather my children and stay home and never leave the house. And I suddenly heard myself and said, what just happened. And it was something that came out of my mouth because the devil put it in my head and see, he wanted to rob me and short circuit. And that's why I'm covenant. I would not be here had I given into that voice. That was a lie because staying at home and protecting my children is no protection at all. Unless God keeps you safe, you're not safe. You can put bars on the window and locks on your door, but it's only that God by his mighty power encircles you with his arms of safety. That's why we get under the shadow of the Almighty. How close you have to be to be in the shadow. Stay in the shadow. 
Let him spread his wings. It's like a picture of a, chick, uh, of a, a mama hen, and he just covers you. You can hide under the shadow of his wings, and it's a safe, safe place. So we have to stand up to the devil. I didn't know the source, and I wasn't resisting it. And so there was a time, and it kind of was a take ten, 10 steps forward and three steps back, 10 steps forward, two steps back, 10 steps forward, one step. Oh, and now we're going forward. All right. So there were times when in my mind, I still allowed it to be hijacked because of a pattern, that habit. It was a habitual way of thinking and allowing the devil to press all the same buttons until we exposed the work of the enemy. And now I said, God, give me a new default setting. My default setting was going straight to just heart-grabbing kind of fear. It was a very tangible thing that would happen to me when I allowed those thoughts to go through my mind. And so what began to happen is that I would burst into tongues. I did. I mean, as soon as I was aware that this thing was happening again in the, in the weirdest of places. So, you know, like you're in the grocery store. And all of a sudden I'm just like, no, in Jesus' name. And you know what? You need to do this with me. Um, okay. I know y'all got the mom in you. And so when your kids are messing with you and pestering you and keep asking for something and you said no once, then you said no twice, and then you said no three times, okay, get the mom inside of you. Even your grandmas, come on, you remember. And you have to say, come on, in your mom voice, we say, no. I mean it. And don't you ask again. Have you ever said that to the devil? no in your mom voice and I began to do that I said no that is not okay you don't have authority over me because I found out who does have authority and it's the Jesus Christ in me he already defeated the devil girls we can't give him an inch because he wants to take a mile so you have to stand up to the devil and here's a here's a truth spiritual forces in the human realm are empowered by human agreement I said that wrong. I wrote it wrong. Spiritual forces in the spiritual realm are empowered by human agreement. I was agreeing with his lies. And it empowered fear in my life. And it manifested in lots of different ways. Because, you see, the enemy is trying to get you to line up and agree with his lies and deception. And that is a device of the devil. Fear causes you to believe a lie that God doesn't protect, can't protect, and you're a walking target. That he doesn't answer your prayers, he answers everybody else's but mine. Because I'm not worthy. All of a sudden we're afraid that God's not going to answer prayer. We're afraid that I'm going to go someplace and something horrible is going to happen and I walk in fear. I walk in fear. We have to break our agreement with the lie and replace the lie with the truth. Because John 8:44 calls him a liar. When he speaks, it's a lie. If his lips are moving, he's lying. Got it? He speaks from his own resources because he's a liar. And Jesus called him the father of it. So fear takes up real estate in our hearts and emotions. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And that word place is a geographic location in your mind, your will, your emotions, in your heart. You've given him a place. Topography real estate in your thinking and in your emotions. And we are, we are being admonished to not give the devil 
any place, no geographic location in ourselves. And Ephesians 4.27 goes on to say, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give him no opportunity. Slam the door in his face. So though we walk in the flesh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I got to check that. I don't know if it's second, first or second. I just wrote Corinthians. Anyway, uh, 10, 3 through 5, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, I thought I had to conquer this thing in the flesh. But no, it's a spiritual war. And though we war according to the, um, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's what fear was in me, a stronghold. But every time I resisted it, told the devil where to go, said no, and replaced the lie with the truth from the word of God, it was like pulling another brick out of that stronghold wall that I had built over years and years and years of agreeing with his lies. So we are pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because when the devil tells you that God doesn't care about you and he's not going to protect you, he's not going to answer that, he doesn't provide, that is a bunch of lies. And that is exalting itself against who God is and we are to bring that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what's in your arsenal? weaponry to defeat the spirit of fear. And like I said before, we need a new default setting. And that's part of washing your mind, giving your thoughts, because that's where the, um, the temptation begins. To feel fear is not a sin, okay? But to give into it and give it place gives it a place to grow, and it will multiply. Isn't it amazing that you can put a seed in the ground, and it takes time for it to, to, to just flourish. But before that seed or that flower or whatever you planted is full grown, the weeds have come suddenly grown faster all around it. I don't get that. I'm going to talk to God about that someday. But that's how fear is. It's like a weed that grows up very quickly if you give it place. So when we agree with the devil's lies, aren't we just disagreeing with God and his word? So we've got to stop agreeing with the lies. And the only weapons that are effective are spiritual weapons. We cast it down in every high thing that exalts itself. And I just kind of say, say no. I know better now. And I'm going to hold that thought up to the light of God's word. And you know what? It doesn't pass the test. God's got promises to cover that. It's like holding a dollar bill up to the light. Do you know it has a watermark? It will tell you if it's counterfeit or not. We hold our thoughts up and see the watermark of God's word or the lie of the devil if there's no mark. The thought you entertain is a thought that will remain. We need to take those thoughts captive, ladies. So probably some of the most important things to leave you with here today. 1 John 4, 18 really gets to the heart of the matter. We can say, yes, I know God's my defender. Yes, I know that he's my provider. Yes, I know he's my deliverer. I know he will keep me safe. But... The foundation that that all has to rest upon is a knowing that you know that you know, and it comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that God loves you. He loves you perfectly, and there is no one in your life that loves you perfectly. They might do a good job. They might do a great job, but they don't love you perfectly, but only God does. 
And so we need to ask God to show us, what does that look like? Let me experience your perfect love, because I, I don't have any, any reference from which to speak, but I trust that you love me perfectly. In 1 John 4, 18, in the Amplified, it says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love. You know what? That's where we're going. Let his love begin to grow in you until it's complete and full-grown in you. It drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. Good news! The Holy Spirit is revealing his love to you. Open your heart to have a new revelation of just what that looks like. And when I'm perfected in God's love for me, fear has to go because it is displaced and replaced by the love of God. God loves me too much. He's never going to let me down. God loves me because, and he's faithful to his promise, and he said he would keep us safe. So I'm going to trust that. He said he'd provide. I'm going to trust that. It's not your job to worry. It's your job to open your heart wide and receive the perfect love of God. So in summary, let me just encourage you, stand up to the devil. Face the fear. Don't give it real estate in your heart, in your thoughts and emotions. Take every thought captive and hold it up to the truth of God's word. Build your arsenal of God's word. The only effective weapon is to replace the lie with the word of God. Some of my favorite scriptures I wrote, um, we're going to be looking at those during our table discussion time. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of God's perfect love. It will drive out fear. It will drive out fear. The Bible said so. It's true. Can I leave you with three more thoughts? Do you want to make an impact on the world? Do you want to be a world changer? One defining imprint that we can make in our lives is to live fearlessly. And I'm going to pose this question and start thinking about it because we're going to be table talking it. What would you do if you were 10 times bolder? What would you do if you were 10 times bolder, living fearlessly, becoming a world changer? Because you see, low esteem causes us to shy away or crumble when these things are faced with us. And yet, true world changers face their fears with both fortitude and faith. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I read this, uh, uh, Chris Vallotton from Bethel. I get his um, blog, and I just, I was sh practically shouting in my office when I read it. I said, yes, true world changers face fear with both fortitude and faith. We need three things to be a world changer. Number one, courage. And a definition of courage is do it afraid. And we know Joyce Meyer is famous for saying that. It's not a sin to be afraid, but don't give it control. If you're feeling fear, put it under your feet and do it afraid. And you know what? You'll get bolder with every step that you take. Because boldness doesn't develop in you by wishing you were bolder. It develops in you through Practice, practical practice, stepping out even when you feel afraid. Can I just say, Jen Franson, you are a world changer. Yep. She is making, 
She is not waiting for somebody to give her something to do. God has shown her a vision of reaching out to our police department, to our public protectors, and you are making a difference, young lady. You are making a difference. You're a world changer. And she's so bold. She's so bold they don't tell her no. <laughs> I love it. Number two, be bold. Have courage. Number two, take the risk. Sometimes I have to ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Maybe somebody will say no. Oh, so what? Right? What's the worst thing that can happen? Sometimes we just have to be, take the risk. Take the first step. Give yourself permission to fail. It's okay. But just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Right? All right. Be brave. Be bold. Number three, perseverance. Perseverance. Step up even when you don't feel like it and don't quit. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Don't lose hope and don't quit. Even in the storms of life when things come against you, look at it as an opportunity to overcome. Because if you want to change the world, you have to decide to be a person who perseveres through challenges, through the storms of life, that vo the voices that would try to silence you, and any force that would defy God's plan and purpose to prosper you. Every single time I've taken what I considered for me a bold step in a direction that God is showing me, the devil comes at me and tries to discourage me. And he starts throwing all these accusations at me. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. You know, you think you're so good? I don't. <laughs> I don't. But I've learned to say, okay, I recognize that. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. If God asked me to do it, he promised to equip me to do it and guide me every step of the way. And that's what I'm choosing. Okay? So shut up, devil. All right. So we build the muscle of perseverance when we use it. And we thank you, God, right now that you have raised up world-changing women with a vision. And when you call us to something, we know that you equip us for that thing. You have confidence in us, and you're calling us to have confidence in you today. I thank you that today we close the door on a spirit of fear, and we have a new default setting to replace the lie with the truth of your word. God, teach us what that truth is for our particular situation, for our particular way of thinking. I pray for revelation that completely changes, transforms us into that fearless woman of God that lives freely to be all that you created and designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.